Good morning, and it's good to be here, and we're sorry about the sound difficulties we've had this morning. If you've been suffering, it's good that you've persevered through to this place in our service, because now we're starting a sermon series on the book of Revelation, and I'm not sure how you feel about that. We all know that Revelation is the last book in the Bible the very end of the Bible, so it's easy to find. You don't have to hunt through all the other places. You can just go to the back of the Bible, and there it is. It's easy to find, but notoriously, it's not that easy to understand. And so we're going to be looking at it uh, in these next few weeks, and we're going to be seeing what it's all about. It is, the book of Revelation, a unique part of the New Testament. One commentary starts with these words. The book of Revelation is the most remarkable text you will ever read. It is one of the most extraordinary pieces of literature ever written by a human being. There is really nothing to compare with it. So what I want to say more than anything as we start is let's not be anxious or afraid of Revelation. Let's look forward to it because this is a treat for us. A treat, a real treat. It's a treat because it says that there is a much bigger hope than that contained by a vaccine syringe. There is a bigger hope that one day all of the suffering and pain of this world will be ended. That one day God will restore and renew his creation. That one day there will be justice, judgment and mercy. That there will be a new heaven and a new earth. This is the hope that we find in the book of Revelation. And also this book of Revelation is the ultimate test of how we deal with scripture. If we get it right in dealing with Revelation, then the whole of the rest of the Bible uh, we should be able to understand and work with. But we need to be careful. As we heard, Uh, in Shirley's introduction from that first chapter, this book is really three types of literature all contained in one. It's first of all a letter. It's a letter and then it's a prophecy and it's also an apocalyptic vision. So as a letter, it's written to the seven churches in the province of Asia, churches that the writer probably knew well churches that were suffering from persecution. And in chapters 2 and 3 that we'll be focusing on in the next seven weeks, Jesus speaks to these churches. It's God speaking through Jesus, through an angel, that through John, that gives this message to these churches. A message that's both relevant and practical to us today. And because John is hearing these words from God, John is speaking words of God, this is a prophecy. It's a prophecy, something that's told to us now to change our behavior because we can see what is to come. We're meant to respond to this word and change the way we do things. It's a wake-up call from God to tell us of everything that will happen. And then finally, This writing is called apocalyptic, an apocalyptic painting of a picture of the end of time. And apocalyptic writings are very specific 
genre, a specific type of writing that started around the time of Jesus and started within the Jewish community. Because for the Jewish community at the time of Jesus, times were really tough. They had returned to the promised land and they thought that they'd finally found freedom. But instead, they were oppressed by the Roman Empire and any uprising to try and re-establish their faith was viciously put down. So the people, the Jewish people, were looking forward to a time when God would step in and put things right. And so apocalyptic visions were often given by angels and written in the name of an Old Testament prophet. And they were writings to help the Jewish people see that in the end, things would be put right, that God would triumph over evil. So this is a letter and a prophecy and a vision, an apocalyptic vision. And Revelation, above all else, is a fascinating and intriguing book. It's a cascade of ideas and images that pour out in a kaleidoscope of action and colour and meaning. So how do we deal with Revelation? Well, first we need to deal with it carefully. We must not read into it things that are not there. And then we must deal with it humbly. We must not put into it things that we want to be there just to serve our own purposes. And finally, we need to deal with it imaginatively. Revelation is like a huge oil painting that we stand in front of. It's not a technical drawing of some specific details. It's a big image with colour and symbol. And we need to just stand and take it in. We must use our imaginations to grapple with what's written here. There's a place where it talks of an emerald rainbow. How can a rainbow with lots of different colours be emerald? We have to imagine this. We have to picture it. We have to put it into our mind's eye. This book is a great challenge to us all. So what can we say for definite about this book of Revelation? Well, everybody agrees that it was written by John on this island of Patmos. And Patmos is a Greek island off the coast of Turkey. And when you're allowed to travel, you can go there to visit the cave where John was said to have written these words. And one day in 2003, when we were on holiday in Greece, on a dad day that I got to choose what we did, we went to Patmos and we went and visited the cave. And the cave is a place of pilgrimage and also of tourist trinkets. And you can buy there little pictures of John writing his, uh, his revelation down. He's got an angel whispering in his ear and he's got a scribe writing it for him. And he's sat in this cave that you can visit high up on the hill above the town in Patmos. So it was written by John and it was written with a massive understanding of the Old Testament. Already in this first chapter, there are lots of allusions to the book of Daniel. Jesus is called the Son of Man, the one who's coming on the clouds. This is a picture from Daniel and all through the book of Revelation, there are pictures from other parts of the Old Testament, from Ezekiel and Isaiah. So many pictures that all bring resonance and, and, uh, and inform what we're reading here. There are lots of images and symbols and metaphors. And in a way, John is disguising what he says. 
He's already been sent to Patmos and banished there because of his testimony to Jesus. So he's already in exile. He's already in trial, in trouble. So he doesn't want to uh, gather more trouble upon himself. So he disguises what he says in some places. He's not likely to say that the emperor of the Roman em Empire is evil incarnate, is he? He's going to describe the emperor as a, as a symbol, as a beast, as some form, some image that we can grapple with. And then in Revelation, numbers also have enormous meaning. So the number six is a human number that is never perfect. And the number seven is the perfect number. So we look out for times when six and seven appear and make sense to us in that way. We don't need to understand it all. And remember that in Lent, we have Andrew Dow coming to take us through the whole book of Revelation. So we've got time then to grapple with all the symbols and the signs that we find there. These letters that we're focusing on were written to strengthen and encourage the Christians. And we know that Revelation was written probably in the reign of the Emperor Domitian uh, around the end of the, of the first century AD. And at that time, the Christian church was under real pressure. If you were a Christian, you could have all of your property and possessions confiscated just on the whim of the local uh, authorities. You could be put in prison and you could be executed. They were facing far more difficult problems than we face today. And above all, Revelation was written as an affirmation of God's final victory, the ultimate victory of God through Jesus Christ. It was written at a time when the earthly forces seemed to be in charge and it draws back the curtain and shows that there's still a cosmic battle going on behind the scenes. Revelation tells us so much about God, so much about Jesus and so much about the Holy Spirit. God is the one who is in charge. He is the creator who made a good earth, a good creation that he's coming to restore. God is the one who reigns and he will make all things new. As we like to say here, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. And then this book helps us to see Jesus more clearly as well. John meets Jesus and if this John is John the Apostle, the person who sat next to Jesus at the Last Supper, then his response to Jesus, the risen Lord, is amazing to us. For he doesn't sidle up to him and put his arm around his shoulders. He bows down, falls face down before Jesus in worship, in awe and wonder. This book also shows us as Jesus as the one who stands at the door and knocks. He wants to come into our lives. This is a picture of Jesus that we use so often in the Alpha course. Jesus is there wanting to come into our lives and set us free. And this book shows us that Jesus is the lamb upon the throne, the one who is victorious through his sacrifice, the one who is worthy of worship, the one who is the great I am, the Alpha and the Omega. He is the one who will make all things new. 
And Revelation helps us to see the work of the Spirit too. For, the s- for John is in the Spirit as he receives this vision and the Spirit works going out from Jesus th- into the world. It's the Spirit that speaks to the seven churches. The Spirit equips the church for faithful witness. The Spirit is mentioned seven times. And then again, he speaks to the seven churches. This is a vision that shows us that God is active in history, that Jesus is victorious, and that the Spirit is bringing life to his world. This is the God who is working all things out. And then this book also tells us about us. For we are the ones who need to pass through times of suffering. And then the followers of the Lamb will be witnesses, like Jesus, to the truth about God. That truth is always under pressure. That truth is always under attack. And we need to hold firm to that truth, even in tough times. For then we will conquer. This book should give us confidence, not nightmares. This book shows us that the end of the story has already been written and the Lamb wins. We don't need to get caught up in endless arguments about who's who or what's what in this book. We need to focus on the great truths that it tells us. And especially in these next few weeks, we're going to focus on the words of Jesus as he speaks tenderly to his church. God will triumph over evil. The forces of evil will finally be defeated. There will be a new heaven and a new earth where we shall know him and he will dwell with us. God is at work in his world and we need to hold on. We need to hold on to that truth. For the whole creation groans, waiting for his coming and for the children of God to be revealed. So we don't need to worry about the past because our sins are forgiven in Jesus who sits on the throne. We don't need to get caught up in anxiety in the present because we have a future to look forward to. A future when everything is made right. We can live in this confidence that the Lamb wins, that God is good, that Jesus is Lord, and that the Spirit brings life. John was sent to Patmos because of testimony for Jesus. He was sent there to banish him, to exile him, to shut his ministry down. And yet, John doesn't let his faith be locked down. He spends time in worship and prayer. He seeks a new revelation of his Lord, and he meets Jesus in a new way. All of the advice for our mental health suggests that in lockdown, one of the really good things to do is start something new, take on a new challenge, to give us something to focus on, something positive in the midst of all the things that we've lost. And I think this book of Revelation gives us all a challenge, that we need to make more time to spend with Jesus to spend seeking Jesus, to spend in relationship with him. That's what John does when he's locked down. And that's what we can do. Make more time to spend with Jesus. So why not read through this whole book of Revelation in the next week or so? And then 
stick with this sermon series and listen to what Jesus is saying to his church so that we can become committed disciples, better able to speak of Jesus' truth to the world around us. Let's make the most of the time that we have. Let's spend that time seeking out Jesus so that his kingdom comes and his will be done. For he is the one who was dead and is alive. He is the risen Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would draw us close to you. And as we go through tough times in these next weeks and months, help us to know your presence with us and reveal to us afresh your love for us, your church. Give us a renewed love for your word and a longing for a deeper relationship with you that we might live in your light and love this day and forevermore. And all the people said, Amen. And now we're going to worship that King of Kings, that Lord of Lords, with our final song of worship that speaks of all that Jesus is and all that he has done as the one who died for us and rose again. Let's worship. Let's worship now.